Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Mark Schroeder about building and leading successful teams. Mark Schroeder, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. John, thank you very much for having me today. Yeah, it's great to have you. I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation. It's morning here in sunny Utah, and it's evening there in Munich. Uh, it's always fun to have a nice uh, international uh, conversation and, and collaboration uh, on these sorts of topics. And it was fun chatting with you in the pre-interview, just getting to know you a little bit more and uh you know, based normally out of San Francisco and, and, and splitting your yeah. time between uh, Munich and San Francisco for work pre-COVID. Now, of course, everything is remote and it's been about a year since you've seen your team. So I imagine there will be a nice um, conversation, a part of our conversation that can go into how do we go about managing and leading and building dynamic teams, even in a virtual world, uh, since that's what you're living and what your company is living. And, uh, but more broadly, we'll, we'll talk about building, leading and building teams for success uh, more generally. Uh, before we uh, get started with the conversation, I did want to share Mark's bio with everybody. Mark Schroeder is the co-founder and managing partner at, at MGV, uh, Mastermeyer Group Ventures, where he focuses on working with world-class entrepreneurs and technology. Mark's main focus is the the founding team, and as a result, does not have strict requirements for traction revenue or industry. Early in his career, Mark founded a successful HR and staffing company that operated throughout Germany. He then became head of global sales at Maschmeyer, and most recently was investor at C Plus Speed Ventures. Mark is a member of the Coffin Fellows and co-chair of the Bay Area chapter. He is also co-founder of InsureTech Symposium, an exclusive and vital-only event, which brings together industry leaders from all over the world to discuss the huge changes taking place in the insurance industry. Mark is originally from the Netherlands, grew up in Cape Town, South Africa, and graduated with a law degree from Bertolt Breck University. And I probably said that wrong. Wow, that, that was that was done really well. You pronounced it exactly right. <laughs> and, but I've never, I never saw the inside of the courtroom. I, I want to add that. <laughs> uh, Mark uh, constantly travels. Uh, between his offices in San Francisco and Munich. In his free time, he enjoys running, rugby, skiing, lifting weights, reading, traveling, and especially, <clears throat> excuse me, especially spending time with his family. And uh, I have to say, rugby, that is quite the sport. Um, you know, all, all of these pansies over in the U.S. playing football with pads, <laughs> you know. <laughs> pads and standing around most of the time, if I might add. <laughs> yeah, like 85% yeah. of the time is just dead time, yeah. right? 
yeah, Rug- yeah rugby is uh, quite the sport I, I i'm impressed yeah i, I love it it's a, it's a phenomenal team sport and i love the uh which actually is a great part of this topic it's 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 the character behind it right if um i don't know if you're familiar with soccer um here in europe you've got all the hooligans uh, around it's, it's always a clash in every single game and with rugby that doesn't exist right the different teams uh, fans sit next to each other and there's never an argument whatsoever it's it's a we call it a gentleman's sport played by hooligans <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's great uh, i've never been to a rugby match i do enjoy soccer um the the university here i'm a professor at the university as well as doing consulting work and yeah the university has wonderful women's and men's soccer teams um and it's a lot of fun to take the kids and and go watch those matches um, I've never been to a rugby match, though, though I, I've watched a bit on TV and it looks it looks intense. Well, yeah, but um, I, I played American football once uh, as well. Uh, and if, if you come from rugby and then go into American football, it's a total different world. I was not used to being able to get tackled without having the ball in hand. So that came as a bit of a surprise. And since you have pads, you actually dive in harder than uh, than we do. Yeah. Uh, that 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 makes sense. <laughs> well, and I know you're truly an international man. Um, originally from the Netherlands, uh, growing up in Cape Town, South Africa, living in Munich, traveling back and forth to San Francisco. Um, I, I love that. I love uh, the international flavor and perspective that you can bring to such an important topic as you know, uh, developing, building, and leading dynamic and su- successful teams. Um, that's not easy to do even when you have kind of everyone with a similar mindset, more or less on the same page, um, that, that can be a really challenging thing to do. And so doing it when you have a dispersed international team uh, can can even be more of a challenge at times, depending on how you handle it. So I'm really excited to learn about how you built your team there at MGV uh, and some of the things that you've been doing, especially this last year, just trying to deal with the pandemic and how, how you've been able to successfully move forward. So let's start with MGV. That's one of your main uh, responsibilities there yeah. in terms of the founding team and, and putting you know, the, the human capital element of the, of the organization and um, put it, pulling that together. So what has been your approach as you started to tackle that uh, when you were starting the organization? Well, when I came to the U.S. in uh, 2000, November of 2016, uh, you know, we have three investment vehicles here in, in Europe, and we decided we wanted to be part of the U.S. venture capital scene, uh, but we didn't want to be tourists. So we wanted to have actual boots on the ground and an office on the ground. And when I came there in November of 2016, I, I'll never forget, I, I sat on a bench uh, next to the ferry building of San Francisco, looking at it, and to the right was uh, the city. And I literally asked myself, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> I don't know a single person. I literally didn't know anybody in, in San Francisco. Um, and so I started to reflect like, what, what is gonna be my personal goal out of this? What is my vision and, and how do I get there? And it always comes down to people uh, in your life, right? So um, through Kaufman Fellows, I was fortunate that in um, September, two years ago, uh, we were at an event in Santa Cruz and the, the owner of the hotel that we all stayed up, he went on stage and he talked about his life and experience. And he said one sentence that has stuck with me ever since. He said, when you look back at your life, 
it's not going to be about the watch. It's not going to be about the car. It's not going to be about the house. It's going to be about the people that touched your life, right? It's going to be about your wife, your children, your grandchildren, the people that were close to you, that influenced you in a certain way. And that really translated to team as well. So accomplishing anything that I wanted for myself and for the fund moving forward, the whole basis of it is the team that you choose. And there, for me, you know, everybody's different. And there, I mean, you know this way better than I do, but there are so many different principles out there, so many different guidelines and so many different opinions. You need to find what works best for you to, for your personal character and persona. And, and I try to learn from the failures that I had in my life, the mistakes that I made with building up my own uh, startup, which was based all around people, right? I was matching students with really cool part-time jobs. So only dealing with people the whole time um, and try to mold that and make the best out of it in, in the United States. And one of um, the most important things there was hire people that are smarter than you in many different areas, right? If you look at my team, um, they all have what I call their zone of genius in one specific field, right? Which means they are smarter and better and more knowledgeable to me, than me in one area. Um, that is one thing that's important because only if you do that, you can collectively move forward, right? If I hire people that are underneath me, so to speak, then how am I going to evolve? How, how is MGV going to evolve? How are we going to move forward? The second one was that- Can I, can I just you, comment on that real quick yeah. before you move on to the second one? I mean, that point is super important. Um, and it, it may sound basic, it may sound obvious, but I'll tell you, in my experience, most leaders aren't secure enough in themselves and their own leadership to be able to do that, to be able to surround themselves with people who have expertise and, and abilities that may even surpass them in certain areas. They feel insecure, they feel um, nervous exactly. and protective, mm -hmm. right? And so what often ends up happening, whether, whether leaders intend to do this or if it just kind of happens by default, given kind of human nature and our protective kind of strategies, yeah. but, but it, what ends up often happening is you try to consolidate power and you try to then um, hoist yourself up and, and maintain your position and your power. And that often means you end up surrounding yourself with sycophants and yes men and people exactly. who, who are capable, but are just going to kind of do what you tell them to do. And that's a, a true recipe for failure. <laughs> if, if 100%. You, and, and so what you were describing is the exact opposite of that. It's, it's embracing, um, you know, the, the expertise of those around you, putting together a team, a dynamic team um, where everyone has their unique, I, I, the way you said it was beautiful. Every, you know, everyone has their, their unique specialty, their unique um, uh, uh, expertise and competency that they bring to the table. Uh, some of which you have, but others of which you may not have much of at all, um, but together you complement each other in those skills and competencies and capabilities. And then you, you stretch and push each other and you grow together. And exactly. as, a, as a leader, that's what it means in my mind. That's what it means to be a leader is to help everyone uh, achieve their greatest potential. And that in turn helps the organization achieve its greatest potential. So if you want to move the organization forward, you move your people forward and you do that by investing in them and surrounding 
yourself and others with great people, right? Well, I couldn't agree more uh, with that. And if, if I translate it to my line of work, uh, we, we invest in founders first and foremost. And, and one of the, the greatest founders that we have in, in, in our portfolio is Alison Friedenson Watson, uh, the founder of Modern Health, just reached unicorn status. Um, the, she, she was the fastest female ever in the United States to reach that, reach that status within uh, three years. And what really defines her is that she uh, is not only a, a strong personality, not only very charismatic, knows how to motivate and lead people, but especially can let go exactly what you described. Meaning she knows exactly what her strengths are, but she also knows exactly what her weaknesses are and has the character as you, you just pointed out to hire the top tier people around her that will fill those shoes and, and then drive the entire uh, company forward. And I, I love the other point that you made because that, that, that's the second principle that I had as well is that you know once they're there, um, you need to make them so good that they can start anywhere, right? You make your team members so good they can start in any other job anywhere and everybody would love to have them, but you need to make them so happy and proud that they wanna stay right? That's, that's then your job as a leader as well. So once you actually find those people, and I mean, I looked at a lot, right? I looked at 200 CVs. I narrowed it down to 75, narrowed it down to 35, narrowed it down to 10. I went hiking with them. Uh, I went to dinner with them and their spouses. I went to a baseball game, first baseball game I ever went to. And the whole point was the, the third part of it, do they fit together, right? It, it does, you need people that are better than you are in many different facets, but they need to be different as well. So you can't have four people that have exactly the same four strengths. They need four different strengths. But most importantly, especially now in the remote work uh, world that you just mentioned as well, is they need to fit together, right? It has to be a team, right? Together, everyone achieves more, meaning the chemistry was work. And that's why we ran through that process, that loop of hiking, dinner, and baseball game to see who really fits most best together as well. And can um, I can I add to that? So what I hear you saying and what I hear you not saying um, is important. Uh, so you're you're talking about um, the ability for people to work together well, and oftentimes in the people space, you know, an organization might talk about fit. Do they fit with mm -hmm. each other? Do they fit with the organization? And I, I have no problem with the idea of fit. Sometimes it gets perverted though. So yeah. um, unfortunately, sometimes people say they're hiring for fit or you don't fit anymore. And so we're letting you go. And they use that as a cover really to just say, you know, we want everyone to be the same. You, you don't look like us. You don't act like us. You don't talk like us. You don't think like us. And therefore you don't fit. That's not what we're talking about at all. No, That's not, not what you're all. describing. Um, and, and so you're, you're talking about um, compatibility, right? And, and yeah. synergies and the ability to, to leverage differing um, uh, capacities and, and capabilities. And that's a very different type of thing. Um, that does require you know, a, a measure of fit and, and seeing that people can work together. Uh, but if, if you're just looking for a homogenous type of team, you're going to be setting yourself up for, uh, you know, not innovating and not uh, being terribly creative. And probably in the long term, uh, you're going to, you're going to lag in terms of competitive advantage.
I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. I couldn't agree more. And if you uh, look at our team, we could not be more diverse. Not, uh, you know, and especially also in character, right? We have introverts, we have extroverts. If you get to know me, I, I'm like the, I'm, I'm a super extrovert. You know, I'm a people person. I want to be out there, meet people. Corona was horrible for me. I got used to Zoom, but still it's not the same. And then we have others on our team that are very introverted, right? Uh, but we all still, uh, we're, I, I, I call ourselves, they're the family uh, next to my, my own family, right? And that again comes to leadership is that you create a atmosphere and a culture that everybody is aligned on the vision um, that we have set together and we move forward there together. And, you know, a lot of people ask me, um, you know, how, how do you deal with competitiveness within a team, et cetera. And if I look here in Germany, you have a lot of single great racehorses but they are just single great resources. They're not a united team uh, moving forward. And with us, um, it's really, we have one vision and no matter what, everybody works together for that one goal. So in our world venture capital, it's mostly about who found the deal and who led the deal. And, you know, and, and th that is the most important part, but we took that element out and we said, everybody has one vote meaning it really doesn't matter what your title is. You can be a junior associate, you can be uh, me, the, the managing partner. It really doesn't matter. Everybody has one single vote and we either all vote for this founder or we don't do the deal, period, right? You bring each other up to one level, everybody's voice is heard um, and all the different opinions and mindsets and views of a certain topic and then all fall into one place. And then I believe that that is truly our strength and that has made us um, to where we are right now, three, three years forward, um, having done 27 deals um, and, and the success rate that we've uh, proven that so far. Yeah, and, and you never have a crystal ball. And so I imagine no. there, there, there could be, you know, deals that you didn't make that in retrospect, you look back and you're like, oh, you know, that, that was a missed opportunity. 100%. <laughs> but... I would say um, in the aggregate, as you as you take that kind of an approach and you're leaning on the, these diverse expertise, areas of expertise and trying to create that kind of collective decision-making, 
yeah. I think it's going to lead to far better overall outcomes. Uh, and you're probably going to end up sidestepping for, for every one, you know, uh, missed opportunity, you're probably sidestepping, you know, two or three or four other landmines that otherwise you might have found yourself in the middle of. If you make it about the people um, and then, uh, you know, make it about the founders, then, you know, missing out on a, on a great deal, which we've done uh, because of the way we, we look at things, that is totally fine, right? If you, if you really make it about investing in the founder, meaning, is this the person that you genuinely believe is able to lead a team, to motivate a team, to hire the right people, to retain the right people, um, to be able, you know, to deal with all those pressures being a founder. I mean, that's probably the hard, one of the hardest jobs in the world that you can have. Um, is this person, what you said before, able to let go? Or is this the person that is going to sit in the office and the queue is in front of the office, meaning he or she cannot let go, um, right? So you're truly uh, believing in her because markets change, global pandemics happen, <laughs> customer behavior change. Uh, you'll need to ad uh, adapt your product, but the founder will stay. And we built that human element into our process that the last question we ask, and that also counts for new team members, is would I introduce this person to my family and would I let her into my home? Yes or no? Right, so we really make it on a personal level, and we've said no to deals that have become great and actually went on to become unicorn status um, because we we answered that question with no, and and we still, you know, your anti-portfolio still speaks for you. You saw the deal, but you decided against it, so it's okay. That's fine. We you, you got to live by your principles. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's that's right, and and as soon as you start making. Um you know, cutting corners around your principles and, and starting to make exceptions and justifications for things that are contrary to your core values, um, then it, it's very easy to quickly kind of have scope creep, right? And you end up doing things that you never would have intended doing and and you end up chasing things that probably aren't as important. And so again, in, in the short term, maybe, you know, there's there's some some opportunities missed, but I, I think in the long term, what you're describing seems like a really sustainable, um, healthy approach uh, to to how you go about making those decisions and involving everyone in the process. So we we only have a few more minutes, but I did want to give you a chance to share a little bit with listeners how you've been doing all of this now the, this past year uh, amidst COVID. Uh, you know, typically you, you had office space in San Francisco. Um, now everyone's remote and scattered all over the place. How have you been able to make that work? Uh, we were very fortunate uh, from the start, as you mentioned before, that I, I traveled back and forth, right? So before COVID, uh, half of my life was in San Francisco. The other half was with my family here in Munich. Um, so we were set up remotely from the start. So it didn't hit us that bad. What happened, though, was um, communication, the normal chit chat that we had in the office, right? Our, our deal flow meeting, for example, on Tuesdays, we sat in the lounge, we had breakfast together, coffee, and we just talked about the deals for hours. We missed that or our lunches, our dinners, our one-on-one -on -one meetings, etc. So we had to find a way that we keep in touch throughout all the different time zones, uh, keep um, the morale up and everybody aligned on the same page and moving forward. And how we did that was we tried to 
uh, imitate the one-on-one -on -one meetings that we had live face-to-face -face in our office in San Francisco, uh, we did that over Zoom. So on Monday mornings, every Monday morning, we all get together and we just talk personal, meaning we, we do a stand-up and we just talk our personal highs and lows over the weekend, right? What do we do? Uh, how, did, how did it make us feel, uh, et cetera. After that, we look forward to the week and we, we decide, okay, what are our main goals for the week? What do we want to achieve? Uh, and how do we believe that we can get there? Tuesdays, we still do our deal flow meetings. We uh, spend four hours on Zoom just going through all the deals that we've seen and just have a general conversation about it. Wednesdays, my most important day is our one-on-ones, meaning uh, we I talk individual with every single team member. And that's a very private conversation. I open up first tell them something out of my life and then they open up and then it's kept secret. It's just between me and that one person. And on Thursdays, we've booked a slot where anybody can just book an appointment, meaning a founder meeting or we, we talk about a deal, uh, et cetera. And on Friday um, is my favorite is actually we look back at the entire week. Um, did, uh, you know, what did we achieve, set out to achieve? Did we achieve it? Uh, why didn't we achieve it and what can we do better uh, what did we like and uh, what are we going to do on the weekend right then end with the personal note again and uh, we've done that rigorously um, throughout um, and it's worked really well we we did cancel our lunches uh, because it ended up you know was like 10 p.m my time <laughs> uh, 1 1 p.m uh, their time so uh, i i couldn't eat another dinner uh, so it ended up just being a conversation. So we switched it around to, to being earlier, but generally touching base every time and every day. And I think um, to, to finalize it is, you know, if, if it's not work for you, if it's your passion, and if you love, generally love the people that you work with and you see them as, as an extension to your family, um, you know, it, you, you just don't stop. We actually had difficulty last year of letting go, of, of shutting the computer off, of um, you know shutting down uh, the the cellular device that we all love so much here, um, and uh, you know we, we zoom on the weekends, we Facetime on the weekends, and we just stay in touch. So it's it's not a must; it's uh, we want, and I think that comes to the generally culture that you build uh, together as a team. There's so much there that I love. I love the interpersonal connections, the relationships that are clearly genuine and being developed. I love the attention um, to not only, you know, the business side of those relationships, but the personal uh, element and that you make a real point and are committed to consistently making sure that you have those touch points, those personal touch points, uh, and not just like at one point in time, but like throughout the yeah. week. Uh, I, I think that's that's wonderful. And it, it really shows your people that you care. And so you've said several times today, you know, that they're they're like an extension of your family. You care for them, you love them, just like you care for your your wife or your kids. And I think that's that's a really important thing to understand. I, you know, it, with the people on my team that I lead, now obviously I think of when I say they're an extension of my family, you know, I, I will do literally anything yeah. for my wife and my children. Um, and it's, it is a little different with the people I work with, but I genuinely care for them. Yeah. I genuinely want them to succeed. I want the, for their well-being. I want for their success. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think there, this is absolutely 
while you know in, in western culture sometimes a little bit taboo to talk about this kind of caring yeah. and loving and personal attention I, I think it can be very very valuable and people appreciate that kind of genuine connection it has to be authentic right it, it has to be part of yourself as well you, you must live that right and and you, you really must bring empathy and when i say empathy i don't mean, mean sympathy right um you really need to let your people know that they're heard and that their opinion matters and that they're listened to and always you know we live in a, such a digital world writing hundreds of emails text messages twitter and all that sometimes we forget there's a other human being on the other side that has its own hopes and dreams and desires and fears um and you know that you got if you want to be a team you you need to really listen to them all and and try and as a leader then try um, to make it work together right make it match to, uh, together yeah and everyone has their ebbs and flows and ups and yeah. downs right um, I, I love, you know, when you guys come in together on Mondays, and that's one of the things you talk about. I, I think that's wonderful. And it, it, it models for your people when you you start out and share something that was great about your weekend, maybe something that wasn't so great. You know, a lot of times, especially with social media, you kind of get this false picture of yeah. like, someone's life is, is glamour and wonderful all the time. Nobody lives like that for yeah. real. Um, everyone has ups and downs. You know, I feel like I have a pretty um, privileged, blessed life. Um, but I have my ups and downs. I had, you know, I've had a overall pretty good week this week, but I had a pretty downer, you know, couple of days at the beginning of the week. And fortunately, you know, things have, you know, it, that's the way it is for everybody, you know, right? Yeah. There's ebbs and flows in, in life circumstances, in just our mood, in, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And so when we can just genuinely connect with people, show them that we genuinely care. And like you said, authentic empathy uh, with your people and, and listen and, and help them to feel heard, that goes a really, really long way. And to your point, you can do that virtually, just like you can do it in the office space. It it can be a little harder uh, because it doesn't happen organically virtually. You have to like schedule yeah. it. Um, exactly. But, it but as, long, as, as long as you are thoughtful about how to structure that, you, you can still do it. And I, th I think your example is is wonderful. Well, Mark, it has been a real pleasure. Uh, we could go Same. on and on and on. Uh, yeah, um, for hours. And, but, I, but I am mindful of, of uh, the time and it's evening for you. So I'm going to let you go. But before we close today, I did want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can find out more about you, your organization, uh, and anything else you would like to share by way of kind of closing comments for this episode? Well, I think uh, first getting back to, to the last half hour that we spent, and, and thank you very much, John, um, for, for having me on. I, I generally believe we could go for hours and hours on this, but if, if you summarize it all up, um, be, being you know in a leadership role in a team, it really, for me, it comes down to three basic principles, which is listen deeply, unite widely, and act boldly. And um, if anybody wants to talk more about that uh, to me or to my team, or if you're a founder and uh, you're interested in learning how MGV can help you, then just go to our website, uh, mgv.vc, um, or write me an email at mark with a C at mgv.vc, and I'll look forward to that. Excellent. Well, thank you, Mark. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, check out 
Mark on LinkedIn, check out his company, see if there's anything that they might be able to do for you to help um, you and your organization. Um, and even if it's just, you know, shooting the breeze and, 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 and getting to know each other a little bit and seeing how you might be able to network and connect with each other, I think that's also very valuable. Would be lovely. As always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.